0: Good afternoon ladies and gentlemen. It's a sunny day here in Raleigh, North Carolina and thank you all for listening to Third Gear, a Formula One racing podcast. I'm Kate Egan, a marketing major with a passion for Formula One and in this week's episode I'm going to be talking about the changes Formula One has undergone in the past seven decades of the sports history. This past weekend, I watched the movie Rush with two of my friends who haven't really ever watched Formula One. And if you don't know, Rush is a movie about the infamous rivalry between Nikki Lauda and James Hunt, specifically the dramatic 1976 season. The movie is great and I always recommend it to people, but it's a really interesting watch compared to current seasons because of the differences in rules, engineering, and even the drivers since then. Throughout the movie, my friends asked several questions and had several comments about the events that took place, like, do the drivers really decide if they race or not? Are all the cars the same now? I feel like this should not be allowed to race if it's raining that much. Do they ever cancel races? How is that guy just out on the track in the middle of the race and way more? So in this episode, I will be diving into the changes Formula 1 has gone through, answering some common questions that have arisen in recent years, and talk about the potential changes in the future. Stay tuned for the end of the episode because we will also be setting up for the Formula 1 Qatar Airways Grand Primo del Made in Italy e della Romana 2023, also known as Imola. Let's go ahead and start talking about the changes Formula 1 has undergone. When the first championship season took place in 1950, safety was hardly a precaution taken into account. Drivers knew that death was a possibility in order to win, and the 1950s lacked regulation for vehicles, drivers, or the tracks. Helmets were not made necessary until 1952, and even then they were flimsy and unprotective. The engines had a maximum size, and alcohol-based fuel was banned, but there were no weight regulations on the cars. In the beginning of the 1960s, there were not many regulation changes, but about halfway through the decade, new rules were put into place. These rules included the requirements of a minimum vehicle weight of 450 kilograms, Open wheels, an automatic starter, roll bar, double braking, seat belts, and fire protection. Also in the 1960s, the FIA started completing safety inspections and required drivers to wear protective helmets, racing overalls, and developed a flag system in order to communicate with the drivers. As we progressed into the late 60s, the minimum weight increased to 500 kilograms and features like a reverse gear, extinguisher system, seat harness, fire resistant clothing, and shatterproof visors were required. The roll bar that had been installed now had a minimum height requirement of being 5 centimeters taller than the driver's head, and there were some concerns about safety in the actual circuit itself, and straw safety barriers were then removed. In the 1970s, the cars had increased in speed, but not in safety since the 1950s, and deaths were still pretty common in the sport. Jackie Stewart, a three-time Formula One world champion, organized a driver's protest for more safety precautions and regulations to ensure driver safety and reduce the risk of death. As a result of these protests, circuit lengths were shortened. For example, the circuit we know as Spa, which is 4.35 miles or 7 kilometers long, used to be 8.7 miles long or 14 kilometers, and tracks became safer to compete on. Tracks now had grass runoff areas, guardrails, and barriers between the track and the pit lane, and the track was widened. Spectators now also had to be a minimum of 3 meters behind the guardrails. Track marshals were given regulations and equipment to maintain safety procedures and car's weight limit continued to increase. The red rear light became necessary and headrests were implemented, as well as having new cockpit dimensions, a six-point harness, and the driver's code of conduct worked towards maintaining the safety of drivers. In 1973, drivers were required to wear numbers, with number one being given to the current reigning world champion. Drivers were also required to go through medical examinations prior to races. Catch fencing became required and fire regulations were established. General safety precautions continued to be put in place with the banning of certain equipment from races taking place throughout the 70s as well. After Niki Lauda's infamous crash in the Norberg Ring in 1976, the track was removed from the race calendar. In 1979, two mirrors were required to be mounted on the vehicle as well. In the 80s, only three drivers died from racing in Formula 1. The safety precautions had increased and were keeping drivers relatively safe, although some careers were ended due to crashes, but the fatalities themselves did decrease. The chassis, or body of the car, was now created from carbon fiber rather than aluminum. In the 80s, the creation of turbocharged engines caused increased risks and were effectively banned at the end of the 1988 season. Formula 1 management was put together to begin organizing Grand Prix, rather than the individual circuits organizing the races themselves. This meant that teams had to comply with the official times set for practice qualifying and races. It also meant that cars could not enter into a singular race and rather had to participate in the entirety of a season and follow the regulations that all other teams were required to. The regulations continued to be restated and cars required a survival cell for drivers. Rotary, diesel, gas turbine, and ceramic orbital engines are all banned as well as refueling during races. In 1984, drivers became required to own a valid super license to compete in Formula One. Some rules continued to go back and forth, with catch fencing becoming banned and the minimum weight fluctuating constantly. Although the sport continued to grow safer with a 12-year streak of no fatal accidents during a race weekend, despite some close calls, the 90s brought some setbacks to safety in the sport. The early 90s saw the implementation of the removable steering wheel, the safety car, and new dimension requirements for the cars. However, prior to the 1994 season, the FIA banned electronic driver aids such as active suspension, four-wheel drive, launch control, traction control, and anti-braking systems. Essentially, these systems were all believed to make driving easier and were removed in order to make it more of a sport. As many of the cars relied on these systems at the time, the '94 season left cars difficult to drive. The 1994 San Marino Grand Prix had three accidents take place over the weekend, resulting in a severely injured Rubens Barrichello and the deaths of Ronald Ratzenberger and Aaron Senna. After these crashes in Italy, the FIA worked to slow down the cars with new dimension requirements, pit lane speeds, and track regulations. Going into the 2000s, the dramatic and ever-changing safety regulations slowed down considerably. Although some safety devices were added, like the Hans device, many of the changes in the 2000s were in relation to the cost of the sport. A red flag procedure was put into place, and points were awarded for the top 8 finishers out of a race. 10 points being awarded for 1st, 8 for 2nd, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, and 1 continuing on. of procedures were also put in place, meaning that replacements resulted in penalties. And there were new tire regulations, such as the allotted tires per weekend, tires must be chosen prior to race, and multiple compounds must be used during a race. Qualifying became based on three shootout sessions rather than qualifying within a pole sitter's time. Practice sessions became based on times rather than number of laps, and the use of a new technology called KERS, or Kinetic Energy Recovery System, that's sort of similar to DRS. The 2005 The 2010s brought better safety features, cost caps to maintain budgets, and more attention toward the environmental aspects of the sport. Refueling during races was banned again in 2010, and the current point system you see today was put in place. DRS was introduced in 2011, and in 2012, the maximum race length of four hours was put in place following red flags. Penalty points and procedure are finalized more, and turbocharged engines are added to the mix. In 2016, the minimum age for obtaining a super license became 18, and in 2018, the halo was introduced as a safety precaution to protect drivers' heads. For the first time since 1959, drivers are awarded an extra point for the fastest lap if they finish within the point-scoring positions. The 2020s didn't bring any big changes, with COVID-19 taking a toll on the racing calendar. In 2022, cars reintroduced the ground effect for the first time since 1983, and the dimensions of the cars and tires were changed. These upgrades were intended to allow for a closer following. This year, 2023, the minimum weight for a Formula One car is 798 kilograms. There are also clarifications of rules. In one case, the point system following the rain-delayed Belgian Grand Prix in 2021, and in another case, the safety car procedure following the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix of 2021. While watching Rush, my friends had some good points and questions that I felt like should be answered for not only their benefit, but also my own. I learned something from them and I hope you do too. One of my friends noticed the Tyrell P34, aka the six-wheeled Formula One car, and brought it to my attention that the cars nowadays look almost the same. How are they different from one another? So to answer her question, at the beginning of each season, teams are given a set of rules and regulations that they must follow when building a car. This includes weight, dimensions, certain technologies, and number of wheels. These regulations also include safety precautions, such as being with able to stand crash tests, fire resistance, and must have proper features like seat belts, the halo, and a neck brace. These regulations must be followed by each car on the grid, which makes them all look relatively similar from a distance. But in Formula 1, every little detail counts towards making a quicker car. Teams have varied wheelbases, which describe the distance between the front tires from the back. Shorter wheelbases allow cars to maintain quick speeds in corners and help the car excel in narrow street-style circuits, whereas long wheelbases help a car excel on long straights and in quick tracks. Another big difference is the car's engine. Many teams supply their own engines, while others use customer teams to supply a power unit for their car. For example, Mercedes create and use their own engine for their team. However, Alfa Romeo uses engines manufactured by Ferrari. The engines also have their own regulations, and they all must be a 1.6 liter V6 turbocharged hydroelectric engine that can produce 1,000 bhp, or brake horsepower. Another question that was brought up had to do with the expenses for Formula One. It became obvious that Nikki Lauda and James Hunt both struggled from maintaining the funds necessary to compete in Formula One. And one of my friends asked, if the sport is so expensive, how do teams and organizations pay for it all? A majority of funding for Formula One comes from broadcasting and commercial rights, and the races are paid for with promoter deals. It's a big deal to host a circuit, and many countries are willing to pay to host, while sponsors are willing to promote their brands on the track as well. Lastly, their sponsorships. The organization and teams have sponsors to help them fund the sport as well. For example, Formula 1 is sponsored by DHL, Rolex, and Heineken. As for the teams individually, they are awarded prize money depending on their ranking in the season prior, which helps them set up for the next season, giving a top team an advantage over teams finishing below them. They also make a lot of their revenue and funding for their team and cars from sponsorship deals. Red Bull's main power sponsor is Oracle, Mercedes's Patronus, and Ferraris' Shell. Moving on to this weekend's race, Imola. Unfortunately, due to severe flooding, the Imola Grand Prix this weekend was cancelled. I wish all the best for those who are affected by this disaster, and I thank all of the emergency services who are doing all that they can to help those in need. I'm keeping the people of Northern Italy in my thoughts. I will talk to you all again next week while we are prepared for the upcoming race weekend in Monaco. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode, and take care of yourselves.